feature presentation. Welcome back to another Untitled Sundance Review. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside. He's allergic to tomatoes, but he is tomato meter approved. Eric Marchin. Matt, are you ready to take a dip? I dip that tip right in the infinity pool, baby. Today, we are reviewing Brandon Cronenberg's Infinity <laughs> Pool, which did premiere at the Sundance Film Festival, but will be released on January 27th uh, uh, in Canada and the U.S. by Neon in the U.S. Elevation Pictures here in Canada. Uh, so it's one of those Sundance movies um, that we just saw slightly earlier than everyone else. But as we're dropping this, it's going to be out in a matter of probably tomorrow night uh, if they do early screening. So you guys can check this out uh, pretty much right away. So a little bit different than some of the other Sundance reviews we've been doing, Eric, like Eileen and Magazine Dreams and Fair Play, where those will be coming out further in the future, either because they just got acquired or they don't have distribution yet and things like that. But this is one that has a distributor going to be released. Everyone can kind of check it out in the next couple of days. Uh, but we're back with a little bit of CanCon as well, because we have uh, we're going to a lot of Cronenberg in 20 late 2022 and into 2023 because Daddy Cronenberg had a movie last year. You have yep, little baby the future. You have baby boy Cronenberg have a movie now, and then you have baby girl Cronenberg having a a, a movie later this year, right? So yeah, Caitlin uh, Cronenberg's yeah. Uh, humane. Yeah. yeah. So um, how are you doing? <laughs> did you dip uh, that tip too? <laughs> <laughs> I sure did, Matt. This morning, uh, you know, watching Infinity Pool. Uh, Early morning screenings for Cronenberg movies, whether they be father, son, or daughter, um, it's always an interesting experience because you partly have to be in a mindset, I think. I feel to... like you should watch any of those movies at 3.30 in the morning, and that's the only time you should watch them. Perfect. They are, you know, you're, you're mentioning like you have, you, they're sure, you know, great movies on City TV, which is funny because David Cronenberg's Videodrome you know, in that movie, the James Woods character works at basically what is kind of a, a, a faux version of city TV. Um, yeah, it's it's one of those things. Did which I plan is a this? Perfect... Absolutely not. <laughs> no. A, a midnight movie is, you know, Cronenberg, David Cronenberg has become an auteur filmmaker over time. You know, when his movies were first released, they were reviled by uh, the Canadian rating system and uh much of, of the critical community. It wasn't until a little bit later on, I think with, you know, the dead zone and the fly that were more kind of classier, but still had that style of the body horror genre um, that he started to kind of gain a little bit of respect. And now you do have Brendan Cronenberg directing his third feature film after antiviral uh, and possessor and possessor also played uh, at Sundance a couple of years ago. And that was during the pandemic. And its release was, was a fascinating one because when it kind of played originally, it was called possessor. And then the marketing as when it was being released theatrically or, or streaming, because, you know, theaters weren't open at that point or very few were um, it was retitled as possessor uncut. And then, you know, you, you right. see the cast in, in Brandon Cronenberg's movies, Caleb Landry Jones and Sarah Gadden were in his first film. Then you have people like recent Academy Award nominee, Andrew Riceborough and Jennifer Jason Lee, who was in existence, uh, David Cronenberg's movie and, um, you know, Christopher Abbott and, and these wonderful casts. And then this kind of continues that with Alexander Skarsgård and uh, Mia Goth 
particularly. So, you know, that that style of looking at body horror is very much there, but there's also this interesting kind of depiction of the wealthy, I think, in this movie, that there's something that I do want to talk about that works that might be more subtle than meets the eye. Um, but overall, I would definitely say if if you liked Possessor, if you like antiviral, if you like the body of work that Brandon Cronenberg has made so far, I think you will probably gravitate yeah. towards this. If you do not, you, you <laughs> might be a little bit uh, averse to partaking in his version of, of the hedonistic lifestyle that's portrayed on screen and the kind of mm-hmm. phantasmagoric uh, genre filmmaking. Uh, I'll give a quick premise of the movie. Um, we've been doing this for our Sundance reviews. I think if you're tuning into this and with this coming out so soon, you've seen trailers and different things, you probably kind of know what it's about. But here's the premise from uh, Wikipedia. Uh, guided by a seductive and mysterious woman, a couple on vacation venture outside the resort grounds and find themselves in a culture filled with violence, hedonism, and untold horror. A tragic accident soon leaves them facing a zero-tolerance policy for crime. Either you'll be executed, or if you're rich enough to afford it, you can watch yourself die instead. Shot in Croatia. I think I've been to the the town that this was shot in. I'm, I'm looking at right now. But uh, Eric, what I'm telling you, I saw a Canadian, Croatian, Hungarian production. Uh, threw me for a loop because my wife, born in Croatia, she's Croatian. Uh, her parents moved from Canada, well, Croatia to Canada and now Canada to Hungary. So right away, I'm thrown for a loop. I, f- I feel like Cronenberg was etched loop? into my brain at this point. Uh, but I would say I, I'll quickly go because I think you're you are the genre guy of the two of us. Like, you know, I like horror movies. I'm, I'm pretty open. To, I, I'm pretty open to anything. Right. Like, I wouldn't say I'm either either here nor there on uh, baby boy Cronenberg or daddy Cronenberg or, or any Cronenberg. Like, I've just, I, I just. I don't. I can't say I love them. I I don't hate them. I'll go in and, and watch each one and just decide uh, for each one. Um, I kind of liked Possessor. I remember. I don't know if I loved it, but I I did like it. Um, going into this, I, you know, I I like trippy movies. I like you know interesting visuals, and I'm I'm open to anything. Nothing really grosses me out rarely or or is too much for me. Um, but watching this and maybe it's the time I watched it, the headspace I was in or something like that. I did watch it in the morning as well. Probably the wrong time to watch a movie like this. I just could not. It was one of those like, you know, you're watching it and I just go, I don't, I get that this is for someone and you, you put it perfectly of being like, I think going into this, you either know if you're going to vibe with it or not, right? Like if you watch the trailers and you liked Antiviral and you liked Possessor, um, you probably know if you're going to like this movie. And if you don't and you watch it, um, you are probably not going to like it. I went in with an open mind and in this one, I fell on the ladder where I just found it very vile. Um, I found it pointless at times. I got what it was, you know... Uh, trying to say, um, and we've gotten a lot of movies about, you know, uh, the wealthy kind of using that wealth to, you know, either be assholes in in many different ways. Um, 
this is a very in your face way to show it in a very blunt and and uh, way of or portraying this in a kind of a sci-fi concept and i was intrigued by that but as it kind of went on takes a little while to get there once it gets there i found it got very repetitive uh to the point where i don't know what more than that kind of very simple thesis um uh did it expand on any of that? I'm like, I, I don't know. And then just its imagery is very try hard in the sense of like, you know, whether he's trying to impress his, his dad um, or if he's just trying to kind of see how far he can go and push the boundaries. Like that's ultimately what he's doing. Um, I just don't know if it adds anything. Like it just gets so explicit and so violent and so vile at times. I'm just like, I don't, I don't understand who enjoys this and like I get it I get that people do but part of me just doesn't understand and and I go I just don't understand what I'm supposed to take from this that's enjoyable and I'm not saying every movie needs to be enjoyable but then it, if it's not enjoyable to watch it needs to be saying something and then I get what it's saying but then I'm like is that very surface level and then I kind of think it is um I think the performances are are solid. Uh, I like Alexander Skarsgård and anything I see him pop up in. Like I think he's a charismatic guy. Um, I love Mia Goth. Obviously, she's. I, I I tweeted this that she's probably our best modern day scream queen. Like she's she's absolutely crushes it in in every horror genre movie she's in, and I think she's fantastic in this. Um, but the movie overall, I just. I feel like you know if you're going to like this or not. And um, if you go in kind of in the middle of being here nor there, maybe you'll fall on my side. Maybe you won't. But I just found it kind of vile and and one note and repetitive. So I, I did not vibe with it at all. But I will shut up and let you go. Yeah, I, I don't know if I, I loved it per se. But I think the first half is stronger in setting a tone and a feeling with having this central character played by Alexander Skarsgård, who's this kind of fledgling author who wrote one book and is kind of has a little bit of writer's block, but also kind of feels like he's toiling away in obscurity and not being able to really, you know, go in the direction that he wants to. He's married into a wealthy family. And so, you know, he's basically plateauing in this kind of luxurious kind of paradise gated resort. And when you're watching those scenes, I, I do feel there's something there where it's just kind of, you're, you're seeing this character in a form of luxurious limbo. And as the character's kind of toiling away, kind of almost apathetic or, or numb to the world around him, he's slowly kind of brought back to life with, you know, the Mia Goth character, Gabby coming into play and first saying like, she's a big fan of uh, his book and, and kind of being the, I guess the number one fanboy or, or, or person in this kind of relationship. And so that kind of lures him out of his, you know, comfort zone, because when we see uh, M and James played by Alexander Skarsgård and Cleopatra Coleman, um, you know, they're, they're kind of like, oh, you know, should we go to that Chinese restaurant tonight that's in the village? I don't, and, and James is kind of like, I don't really want to do that. But then as soon as Gabby suggests that, he's like, well, because she's such a big fan, I want to be more indulged in that kind of, um, you know, uh, praise and, 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 you know, you watch those yeah. scenes and you kind of feel like, okay, there's something interesting here because the character of James doesn't necessarily feel like he belongs in the lifestyle or the world that he has married into. And then as soon as the sort of 
catalyst event happens, which weirdly reminded me, I don't know if you thought of this at all, but uh, I know what you did last summer where, you know, they, yep. they hit the guy <laughs> and they don't know what to do and they drive back to the resort. But it kind of reminded me of that a little bit. It was like, swear, like, we'll never talk about this again. It's like, yeah. I know what you did last summer vacation. Um and so they go back to the resort, you know, they get caught by the authorities. And I think that's kind of interesting as well, because you're looking at the idea of committing a crime in another country and having to abide by those rules. And usually there's no intervention by your own government or very little, you know, intervention. Like you think of something like Midnight Express specifically, um, where, you know, you're basically on your own. But the the cost here or, or, or the, the proposition that's presented by uh, Thomas um, Critcherman, who's probably best known for uh, Avengers Age of Ultron. He's the guy that helped kind of create the twins, um, Aaron Taylor. He's the guy that wears the monocle. Um, I can never, never yep. remember his name. Um, uh, Baron Von something. Baron. Keep going. Yeah, but he plays this corrupt detective who just basically says like, okay, this is, th- these are the two options you have. You can, you know, face the consequences of your action, which is ex- an execution. Or you Von Strucker. Yeah, you can you can still face those consequences. You can still be von Struck in execution, um, <laughs> but we can clone you, and the clone version of you will stand in for your crime, and they the clone will have the 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 awareness of what you've done crime and you and, did, and... yeah, and they they'll still think you're you, and so he goes through this process, and it's kind of like this rebirth in a way of him maybe finding a new family or a new in crowd to be with. And maybe because all these other people that he's later introduced through Mia Goss character um, in order to kind of become sort of a, a part of the elite crowd, like he finally feels welcomed, but there's this kind of, you know, a uh, tug of war between the two that I think is, is really interesting. And that's kind of the first act of the film. And there's an ethical element as well. And watching, you know, the, part of the stipulation is that you have to watch the execution, which I actually do think is kind of interesting where you see two reactions to how this kind of plays out. One is morbid curiosity and turning into kind of weird fascination and, and, and almost like dwelling on it. It's like, did I like that? I think I might've opened something in myself that I didn't see. And then the mm-hmm. other part, which is, you know, M's perspective where it's, that was disgusting and horrible. And I disgusted that you didn't have the same reaction to me. And so that's almost yeah. looking at it from the point of view of entertainment. Right. And I think that that's kind of interesting, but then when you get into the more hedonistic aspect of it, of the self-indulgent kind of like, let's continue to do this and being brought into we can the get away crowd. with anything because we have enough money essentially. Yeah. And even the masks like reflecting like the ugliest part of you on the outside and kind of, almost looking a little bit like the purge, you know, like, like those yep. things kind of I thought feel of the purge as well. Yeah. Like again, like but very let's, surface. Let's throw it level. out there. Would th- that resort, even if that was a tradition of this, uh, I think fictional country that they're in, they're not in, they're shot in Croatia and stuff like that. But like, yeah, it's, uh, it's I a fictitious. They, I forget the country's name that they made up, but like it's, it's um, the token. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, those masks, they're not pulling those out at a resort and doing some sort of like, those are, 
Like, come on. Like, it's so disturbing looking that they're not like, hey, guys, we have a special presentation at this resort tonight where we're, we're going to show you the traditional, uh, you know, whatever. And they're these fucking horrific looking masks. I'm like, not a chance. Not a chance. Anyways, that's just one. They, they do feel over designed. And I, I think the, the, the one thing I did like a little bit more in Possessor in terms of it, the distorted Andrew Riceboro mask in yeah. Possessor, I think is more graphically interesting than the masks that they're wearing in this because it kind of does feel almost like we're getting into the purge or the strangers territory with the design yeah. where maybe it's a little too much with you know like the coins in the mouth or the two faces or and I get it's a sci-fi and things like that suspension of disbelief it's a sci-fi story about a country who can clone you and shit like that so like I get it I get it <laughs> but I'm You're also profiting just off like... of you of of creating a carbon copy of yourself and yeah. like again like I think that that's kind Kind of interesting but the world building only goes so far with that and even the yeah. idea of like the antiquated version of this cloning facility like it's like i actually thought there was a couple of, of hard edits that were quite funny where like it'll cut from like one extreme sequence to something that's like almost like spending uh, a moment in a doctor's office waiting to to, to go in or um you know going to this weird like basement dungeon to use an atm the one atm that they have like those have things to the are money to pay them yeah are kind of funny and and i think they're like i think the one thing that the cronenberg family as a whole doesn't get enough credit for is that they can be very funny um it, it, obviously yeah. very morbidly so but like there are moments like that that i think work quite well and and again, like I think that slow build and even some of the cinematography, like the way that the camera kind of moves and it also still is claustrophobic, but it's shot in these kind of wide kind of angles or compositions where you see a lot of space, but you still kind of feel like you're trapped within the environment. Yeah. And and I even like the idea that it kind of gets into with, you know, the character being trapped in paradise. And and I always like movies where characters are trying to leave a town or or, or a room and there's or something a house. going on where they can't yeah they can't and they're, they're they're stuck there and like we've even seen that a little bit you know with like melancholy at resorts with i'm not comparing in the same league but like even with after sun and there was a tim roth movie that came out earlier this year from michelle franco called sundown where it's like you're kind of rotting in you know paradise in a lot of ways and you're kind of just kind of like waiting until something awakes you or excites you and, and ultimately he's saying you know the rich are so bored the rich are so uh uninterested in life that they need to to you know, go to kill or yeah or, or, and or do vile or, things and yeah in order to feel something and it's again it's it's very much a surface level i like metaphor. that concept yeah that's what i mean but i like the idea there i just wish that it was explored a little bit more rather than just trying to i think it's so focused on showing you some like explicit you know, imagery or what, how explicit, you know, the crimes that they commit are and things like that, that I feel like it doesn't go deep enough into that kind of social commentary and that thing. Like, I know people have said this is like white lotus for perverts, right? And it's just like, I get that because it is. But isn't white lotus kind of perverted though as well? It is definitely. Um, but I think, or maybe white lotus for fucking sociopaths i don't know i or like sickos. for people I think that's for sickos yeah who are yeah. actually watching it not necessarily the people in it it's all depicting you know the rich being horrible people um but yeah i i, I get that and i think you talking about it uh is is more interesting than what i watched 
uh, in the film, right? I do agree with you that there were some jump cuts and some of the editing that I thought were genuinely funny or got me in the sense of like there were a couple like I don't really jump at jump scares much anymore. Um, but there were a couple things in here with just the the editing that I think was perfect at the right time or someone opening their eyes or something that like uh, uh, that would that would kind of uh, actually get me. So I'll give it credit uh, where credit's due there. Um, but then, yeah, like, I, I don't know. I know Mia Goth is I said like she's doing her thing and, uh, you know, she's just she's so good at it because she has the perfect look and delivery for these types of movies. But I really do think that. um she carries this and is, is is so great and i understand like sure she's sort of being typecast but she's so good at this specific thing <laughs> that i understand right. why anyone making a movie like you know uh would want her in it if you're making a horror movie or a genre movie or something like that but she's great there's also one scene in this film that i wonder if it has something to do with like his own self-critique or how he feels about how he's because i mean there's been a lot of talk about the nepo baby thing and stuff like that sure. but like but not not the nepo baby in particular but just like kind of creating your own style or figuring out who you want to be as a filmmaker or as a person because there's a sequence where we see Skarsgård walking in front of a car and you know at gunpoint and you know a, a, a review of his book being read and him crying and i do wonder like I remember when antiviral came out and like part of that story is about like, you know, cons literally consuming, you know, your favorite celebrities flesh and like, you know, growing it and, and, and becoming closer to the, the person that you love the most uh, in a way that's kind of, again, very sadistic and, and, and perverse. But there was something kind of funny about that scene because you have Mia Goth on, you know, the hood of this car, you know, yeah. drinking wine and there's a bucket of fried chicken yeah, <laughs> right yeah. next to her, which I actually thought was kind of funny. And I would be very curious to know like where they got that and like, like if that, it was just like a last minute thing or if that was written in the script. Um, the best use of fried chicken in a weird ass, uh, what's the William Friedkin movie I'm thinking of? Killer Joe. Uh, Killer Joe. <laughs> Which is also, was it like a, a um, an NC-17 or unrated movie when it came out because of that final sequence? I mean, the, probably the most explicit fried chicken scene I've ever seen in that movie. But um, unless you've been to a KFC at four in the morning in Toronto. That's just explicit in um, general. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, again, I get that there's an audience for this. Um, didn't work for me at all. Um, I, I'm going to give the movie. I was pretty low on it. I'm going to give it a 1.5 out of five. So there was like, again, a couple interesting ideas there for me, but I was so turned off by some of the imagery uh, that I just, I can't, I can't recommend it, but I feel like, you know, it's a little subjective, right? Like it's, yeah. if it's going to be your cup of tea, it's going to be your cup of tea. It was not mine. Yeah. I, I think oh, it, one I think thing I wanted before you, before yeah. you go, one thing I wanted to point out that I thought was weird. Um, when they're watching their own execution, the family is also in front oh, of there. Them yes. Watching yeah. it. And then I go, do they, do they, do they know it's a clone being killed? Do they, do they care? Cause he's sitting literally right behind them. He's not like, it, they would see that, Hey, that's him being executed over there. Is this his twin behind us? Like who, like to me, that was like one of those things of, I couldn't 
understand the concept of being like, wouldn't the family, like, are you getting satisfaction from that, that you're seeing your father's killer be executed? But if you know it's a clone, would that give you, like, who cares at that point? Usually it's the government doing it to satisfy you know, the families or things like that. That's why they have this no tolerance policy, but they do this secret thing to make money on the side, which is an interesting concept, like you said. But then I go, the fuck? Okay, even them watching themselves is an interesting concept, but I just couldn't, I I, I couldn't get behind going, he's literally sitting in the same room as them. <laughs> like he's not off to yeah. the side hiding somewhere. I'm like, wouldn't they fucking, I, I, I mean, they might as well high five each other. Like that, that's how yeah, close I'm just they like, are. <laughs> it's like, we did it. I don't know. I'm thinking, I'm thinking if someone killed my significant other and then I'm, they're like, oh, well, we're going to kill him, but it's his clone. And I'm like, I, I, I don't know if I know. <laughs> I don't so like, but then if they don't tell you that, then maybe don't put the homie in the same room as the I don't know. Anyways, that was my little nitpick. No, that's that's a good question thing. though because I was thinking that when like you have you know that they're all kind of sitting there and and it's like so and these aren't spoilers because that's the premise of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and, what's and, the point and, in general, or what's the like? Well, what's like, the point? What's the point making, of going through the motions with the exception of? profiting off of it like does does the yeah. family make any of that do, do they get any of that money or is it just all going to like do they know uh, that the they're clones or do they think yeah. or do they think i assume the families think it's the real person getting killed or else why do this in general right but the guy's like, st- other, sitting right behind them you know that's like, what i mean that's what yeah. was my nitpick of going like if they even if he entered the room after them they'd probably look being like who's who's homeboy behind me um, watching my so you know, your the, twin brother this execution and then you're like yeah like it, that's the kind of shit and i think it only happens at the first one yeah uh, but anyways I, I i don't know it was that one like um either you know nitpicky or uh plot hole kind of thing of going like i don't i don't get that and anyways i just wanted to throw that out there before we wrapped up so anyways 1.5 out of 5 yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it three out of five. I think it's fine. Like I think it's one of those movies where it's like I I get what it's doing. I think the first act works quite well in terms of just setting up a mood and a tone. Um ultimately it's you know a, a midnight movie. I, I think what I'm not the biggest fan of overall is kind of that psychedelic imagery. I think like the, yeah. I, I get the point of it, but at the same time, like he already did a lot of that with possessor and it kind of feels almost like you could put scenes from both of those movies side by side and you wouldn't be able to tell i mean maybe with the exception of actors being in the frame um but still distorted um what movie it's from and it it kind of feels like again like i I, maybe he's making a point about that as well where like you know the 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 technology is maybe in the same world or that's i mean cronenberg does the david cronenberg does the same thing like a lot of his technology you know one of the things i loved about crimes of the future is that the technology in that was very similar to the technology in existence where it had kind of almost like this organic fleshy kind of um living breathing it was almost like an organism. And, and when you're watching those scenes, you kind of feel like when they're touching it, it's almost like a visceral experience in itself. And so, you know, with, with infinity pool, I think the best stuff is the concept itself. uh, The, just the filmmaking overall and the location. I do think there is something weirdly unsettling about shooting in such a scenic place, but then also just underneath the surface, 
you know, there's, there, there's dread, you know, and also kind of being sucked into it and kind of liking it, I think is saying something, but you know, maybe it could have been a little bit more developed. So reach around, grab a popcorn (laughs) and a a soda and enjoy infinity pool in theaters. First 20 minutes you'll know if it's for you. Yeah, you will. Um, January 27th, it'll be out uh, in cinemas. Uh, across the U.S. and Canada. Eric, thank you for joining. Uh, Go check out our other Sundance reviews. We have a couple up right now for Eileen, uh, Fair Play, Magazine Dreams, all very dark movies, uh, much like Infinity Pool. I feel like that's been the theme of Sundance so far. Um, Some disturbing you know, whatever in, in, in all of those movies. Um, so go check those out. Uh, we're covering a bunch of films from the Sundance film festival. We'll have reviews for the next week or so, probably a couple per day. Um, so keep checking back to untitled movie reviews for all of those. Uh, we do have a new podcast up on untitled movie podcast, where we talk about the Oscar nominations as well as, uh, the critics choice winners. That's episode 134 over there. And we also have a new show called the cast of us with cast of us, which is an untitled HBO, the last of us podcast. It's an after show. So Eric and I, every Sunday night, 10 PM Eastern, right after the newest episode of HBO's The Last of Us airs. Uh, We'll have a brand new episode for you, breaking down that entire episode scene by scene, uh, all the Easter eggs, all the little character moments, all the things you might have missed, all the connections between the game and the show and what's different. Um, I I think it's it's my favorite thing we've done in, in a long time, and I think we do good shit but like that show specifically i'm i'm very proud of because it's obviously something i'm very passionate about and i'm i'm so happy to share that with eric who's experiencing it for the first time but then also from a creative standpoint like we're taking so many notes and we're going really in depth on it and, and it's it's liberating to talk about something in full spoilers and things like that so uh please go check that out drop a rating if you'd be so kind on your podcast service of choice thumbs up that youtube video send it to your friends thank you everyone who's shared any of our stuff lately um we're always very grateful so we appreciate it uh one stop shop for everything head over to letterboxd you should be on letterboxd if you're not not a sponsor um it's untitled untitled underscore movies over on letterboxd uh as always my name is matt Rohrbeck. you can find more of my work around the internet but mostly on untitledmoviepodcast.com and you can follow me on all those social medias at matt Rohrbeck. And I'm Eric March, and you can find more of my video reviews on rogerstv.com slash cinemascene on all, all the social medias at EM6211. Until next time. Dip that tip into Thanos' <laughs> yes, Infinity Pool. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everyone.